Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. Rise Up Podcast Community. Bit.ly slash RiseUpPodCommunity. It's episode 101 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit the LeeWMallon.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mowen. Welcome back, sports fans, to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, talking Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports, with a little touch of pro-Columbus, Ohio sports mixed in, because why not? Anyway, sorry about being absent last week. Still kind of reeling over how episode 100 turned out. I wasn't very happy with it, and plus, there's no live interaction. So I, uh, there was a part of me last week that thought about just quitting the podcast altogether, but the majority side of me told that side of me to shut up, so here we are. Episode 101, it's going to be a quick episode, just catching you up on everything. It would have been nice if I had an episode last week because Dayton, Ohio was home of the hottest minor league baseball team in the United States. Had the longest winning streak of any team out there. And it ended at 10, and now it's the All-Star break. I'm talking about the Dayton Dragons. The first half is over with. A very tough first half, and so tough, in fact, that... Only one, only one Dayton Dragon got to go to the All-Star Game, which is tonight in South Bend, Indiana. That would be catcher Pavel Manzanero. He actually had a pretty good half. Solid bat, solid defense behind the plate when he gets a chance behind the plate, but mostly as the first baseman, sometimes as the DH, shares the catching duties with... Jay Schuyler, who also has a pretty good bat, and also Morgan Lostrom, whose bat has caught on fire as of late. The Dayton Dragons, as I mentioned in previous episodes, uh, not a great first half. Had a really solid string of 10 straight wins, including two sweeps and four series wins. The Dragons finished 7th out of an 8-team Eastern Division of a 16-team Midwest League. Dragons finished 28-42 and overall, which is good enough for a 40% winning percentage. Did lose their last game of the first half and the last series of the first half at Great Lakes, who was the first team to clinch a spot in the playoffs for the Eastern Division. What's fun about that streak is the Dragons finished their last 10-7-3, much like... Great Lakes, and only two of her teams had similar marks, and only one team had an 8-2 and two mark, that'd be Cedar Rapids. Dragons really started to gel after Miles Gordon was sent back down to Dayton. Uh, Miles Gordon's one of the prospects in the Cincinnati Reds system. 
good bat, good defense in the outfield for now the Dragons. Suffered a bad injury last year that knocked him out of competition after two months and was swinging a 439 bat at one point. Has cooled off since then, but until, what would it be, the at Great Lakes series, the Dragons did not lose with Gordon in the lineup. So having that exciting bolt of energy definitely helped. Like I mentioned, 10 straight wins, including a series sweep at West Michigan. They're the Tigers affiliate. And a four-game sweep of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps at home, the single A of San Diego. And a series win against the same West Michigan Whitecaps. Before that, the Dragons picked up a two-game series win at home against South Bend, the Cubs affiliate. What is in store for the second half? Well, right now, as we quickly stroll through the league transactions and find out if Cincinnati made any moves up or down, and a quick look will tell me no. There is a lot of transactions, and it's not just based on one team. There was one Cincinnati one, as third baseman Mario Bautista is with the AZL, that's Arizona League Reds, on a rehab assignment. He should be back in Dayton. Maybe not this home series against Lansing, but possibly next week. I think this Dragons team can compete. And if you're wondering why I'm saying a 28-42 and team can compete for the playoffs, well, to tell you a little bit about the Midwest League... Once the two teams, which is Great Lakes, the Dodgers single A, and Cleveland's Lake County captains, they have clinched spots, meaning they can't double clinch. They can have the best record in that second half as well, but they can't clinch two spots. I think there's a minor league baseball league that does that. But I don't know who off the top of my head, which if you double clinch means you just get the bye and you wait for the next opponent. But it's not how it works in Midwest League. So Great Lakes and Lake County can't get another playoff spot. They got their one. That means the field is down franchise. They're a solid farm system. And Tampa Bay's having a solid year as well. Not sure if they can get over the hurdle of what's the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox not too far behind. But Tampa Bay does a nice job with the farm system. Bowling Green was a game and a half out of the wild card spot where Lake County picked that up. I think if the Dragons can play solid baseball like they did the last, what would that be, 10 games at 7-3, and three, I think the Dragons can compete. It really depends on who gets sent up, down. It's not really a sideways option, but you get my drift. It just really depends on the transactions and how those happen. I think the Dragons can compete if you keep the if you keep the core of Miles Gordon, Michael Ciani, he's really caught fire with Michael with Miles Gordon. Michael Ciani has. His younger brother was picked up by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the draft, by the way. But I think if everyone starts to hit and we'll see how the drafts the draft picks move up. The Greenville Reds seem to have most of Cincinnati's picks. 
compared to Billings, which Billings just got swept in their first game, and Greenville's not set to start season until tonight, actually. And the roster was just released. If Dayton can keep their positive momentum going, they can compete. They can possibly get one of those two spots in the Eastern Division but we'll see. Pitching needs to improve. There's been a couple that have shined, but there's been a couple that have relapsed. And one of the most reliable relievers, actually, was responsible for giving up most of the eight runs that West Michigan scored in the top of the eighth to break Dayton's 10-game winning streak. The longest by the Dragons, you have to go back to 2002 when Dayton rattled off 13 wins in a row. So Dayton got close, I think that's the third best streak that the Dragons have ever had in their time in Dayton, Ohio. That's not counting their time in Rockford, Illinois. But I like to see what this Dragons team can do in the second half. A quick start is required. You can't relapse like the Dragons did. And in fact, that sweep at West Michigan was the first time in two months that Dayton wasn't in last place. I, I think the Dragons will do better, but we'll see. In case you're curious about the Western Division, the Quad Cities River Bandits, despite not really having a lot of games at home sweet home Davenport, Iowa, because of the Mississippi River flooding into the ballpark, Quad Cities 43-23. and That is a half game better than Great Lakes. Houston does a very nice job as well. In fact... Quad Cities, they've had the Cardinals, and they also had... Wait, did they have the Cardinals? Yeah, they had the Cardinals, because Peoria at that time was the Chicago Cubs. And now they have Houston, and both farm systems are pretty strong. Hopefully Cincinnati's gets that strong eventually, but we'll see. Also, Cedar Rapids is your second playoff team in the first half at 39-31. Tied with the Burlington Bees, but I believe Cedar Rapids did better in the series against Burlington. Burlington being the Angels single-A team of Los Angeles. No longer of Anaheim, although they're still in Anaheim, but there you go. That's seven straight years that the Colonels have made the playoffs. They're the single-A of the Minnesota Twins. So, the Dragons, a 10-game winning streak, lots of excitement, and it's nice to see you know, Dayton not get to the 50-loss plateau. I think it was 2016 where we were all kind of watching, seeing how many losses until 100. Dayton got to 97 that year, but I say we, I mean, you know, we were watching, seeing if, you know, things would get that bad. That was also Nick Senzel's only time in Dayton that second half wonder what he's doing oh yeah he's with the Reds and he's awesome we'll talk a little bit about the Reds after the break we're going to stick with Dayton and we're going to talk about Dayton Dutch Lions soccer now Dayton Dutch Lions soccer started late May and as you might know I'm their public address announcer and tonight there is a women's game Versus the Cleveland Ambassadors. That is a pretty big name. In fact, on the scoreboard, they're probably just going to have to be known as Clee or Doors. D-O-R-S. I'll decide that when I get there. Anyway, Dutch Lions, the men's team. Solid season thus far. 
They will host first place Chicago SC United tomorrow. Fell quickly 2-0 in their last home battle with Chicago FC United. Managed to get a goal late in the second half, but it was too little too late. And Dayton dropped that contest with Chicago FC United. Currently 3-3 on the year. Picked up a big win at Flint City last week. That's the former Michigan Bucks team. Tate Robertson, very strong midfielder. Tristan Lyle, former Wright State Raider. What's nice about Dutch Lions soccer is if you follow local college soccer, there's a lot of local names that will pop out right at you. There's a couple names. Jake Stovall, former Wright State Raider, now part of the coaching staff with the Centerville Elks. He's in the mix. I mean, last year the crew drafted a Dayton Dutch Lion in J.J. Williams out of U.K. That's University of Kentucky, not United Kingdom. There's not a lot of soccer left. What stinks about both sides is you blink and the season's over. I mean, the last game for Dayton is on the road at Flint City again, July 13th, where the season begins May 18th. The season goes quick. If you don't stop and pay attention now, you might miss it. Whereas the women's side in the WPSL, a lot more local players on there. A lot more local teams, like Cincinnati's got a team, Dayton, Motor City B, Detroit area, Ann Arbor, Cleveland. I want to say Toledo had a team, but that's not sounding right. But you get my drift. That's a 10-game slate. 10-match slate, sorry. A 10-match slate for the WPSL side, which we'll talk about. The women's side... They won their first match quite beautifully against Ann Arbor FC, Lumberjills 5-2, but since then have been on a five-match slide. Lost the two games in Michigan to AAFC 3-0 and Motor City 6-0 before dropping a contest with Cincinnati 3-0 where we didn't get the number for the other team until about three minutes to go and I almost twisted my ankle and... I did fall on my butt because it was a rainy day. Let's talk about the rain. It's raining a lot. There you go. So the women Dutch Lions have two more home matches counting tonight. Dayton will also host Motor City this Sunday, June 23rd at 5 p.m. All the home matches are at Dayton Outpatient Center Stadium on the campus of West Carrollton High School. Very reasonable for ticket prices. What I saw, kids get in three bucks. I think there's an age limit want to say eight and under are free and adults are just five bucks it's very very good entertainment like i mentioned two strong teams women are on a slide the men are looking to rebound from a tough loss to first place chicago sc united it's it's exciting time and um i'm pumped to be a part of the team great athletes a lot of fun Getting back to announcing soccer or just announcing full stop. I do have a break between mid-July and now mid-August, but eh, that's all right. So definitely come out, watch these Dutch Lions play. I mentioned the women have two home matches left. The next women's ones tonight at 7 at Dock against the Cleveland Ambassadors. And the last one is 
June 23rd at 5 against Motor City. For the men's side, there are a couple more. There's one tomorrow against Chicago FC United. That is a 6 o'clock kickoff. First kick, excuse me. And then the Dayton squad battles Cincinnati at NKU the 21st. That would be Friday at 7 o'clock before coming back home to face the Cincinnati Dutch Lions June 28th at 7 p.m. And that will be Everybody Counts Night. What I really like is there is a special theme and there's special events that happen during these matches. So come on out and enjoy yourself some good quality football or soccer if you like football as high school football, which, by the way, starts August. Not too much longer, about two months. I think about a month will be two-a-days. Now we look at the Cincinnati Dutch Lions, as soon as I figure out where the schedule button is. I know we talk about the Reds while I swing down the Cincinnati, but to tell you a little bit about Cincinnati, staying on the pitch, seven home matches, seven away, and the next home match is going to be Friday, June 21st at 7 against Dayton. Coming off a scoreless draw at West Virginia where, hey, guess what? Rain played a factor. They called it after the 85th minute. From what I saw on Twitter, which, by the way, the gentleman that does that does very, very solid work and is quick with the keyboard. I mean, when he was there for the first Cincy at Dayton game match, I just hear him type along like, He's, he's got away with the keyboard. That's very impressive. Which, by the way, if you like to follow on Twitter, um, Dragons is Dragons Baseball. Uh, Dayton Dutch Lions on Twitter is Dayton Dutch Lion. And Cincinnati Dutch Lions are Cincinnati DLFC. Like I mentioned, next home match is against the Dayton Foes Friday, June 21st. And then the next one is June 30th, Sunday at 7 against the Flint City Bucks. And that's the last home match of the regular season for Cincy. They will be at Dayton Friday, June 28th at 7 p.m. Looking forward to that match because it is a good local squad. The Dayton Dutch Lions, they have three wins, two losses, and three draws. That's currently their record. They're in a very competitive Great Lakes division with Dayton, Flint City, also Chicago FC United, their first year in the Great Lakes. And also the West Virginia Alliance FC. Notice that Derby City's not in the mix. That was Louisville's then PDL, now USL League 2 squad. They folded before this year started. And like I mentioned, they play at Northern Kentucky University. Cincinnati's such lines do. At 500 Louis B. Nunn Drive, Highland Heights, Kentucky. Literally just take 471. And I think it's one of the first... Exits after it ends at 275, I think. It's been a while since I've been at NKU. Beautiful pitch. Beautiful scenery there. And now we'll take a quick breather and come back with Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati's MLS squad, which is FC Cincinnati, and also the Columbus crew and Columbus Destroyers pick up their first win. When was that? You'll find out after this quick breather. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way of making a podcast. 
Anchor is completely free and gives you everything you need in one easy place on your desktop or mobile device. Anchor includes creation tools to make your podcast sound great, including the newly featured background music option. Anchor also takes care of the heavy lifting by getting your podcast out to the major platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even more. You can also make some money with your podcast with no minimum listenership required. What are you waiting for? Create your podcast by downloading the Anchor app in the App Store or on Google Play, or visit anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm, the host of the local Sunday sports podcast. Hey, you know what else I forgot? It's Malin's Mailbag. In the middle of this episode, because, of course, that's how I do things, we had two questions in the mailbag. And first one is from my friends at the Northern Kentucky Norse Hockey Program. Why do you enjoy broadcasting high school hockey? I don't just enjoy broadcasting high school hockey. I enjoy broadcasting as a whole. But... In terms of high school hockey in Southwest Ohio, not every school has it. In fact, there's a lot of schools that don't have it compared to the schools that do have hockey. So it feels like a closer-knit family. You get to meet so many people, learn about their stories, and that's always a treat. In terms of broadcasting, I enjoy it because as a kid, that's what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be a broadcaster. I mean, since leaving college, would I think this trek would be as difficult as it's been? No. Thought I would have found something by now, but that's neither here nor there. I enjoy broadcasting. I like the people. I like the sports, the action, and I like meeting new folks. So that's the whole thing to the question that's from NKY Norse on Twitter and to Joey Bag of Donuts how bad are the Bengals going to be this year well <laughs> I don't see him win the Super Bowl but I don't see him at a 2-14 and 14 clip do I see him under 500 probably probably 6-10 and 7-9 is my stab at it I want these Bengals to do well, and I think the culture is changing, but culture change only takes you so far. I mean, the AFC North, I mean, Cleveland's starting to stack up and look like, you know, an actual football franchise. (gasps) Then who's going to be the punching bag? I hope not the Bengals. Pittsburgh, I mean, you lost Antonio Brown to the Raiders. Well, lost gang to some Steelers fans' views. I had to record because I said Antonio Bryant. Wrong! Antonio Brown is no longer there. But I think Juju will step up. Smith-Schuster, not Juju, who's on the beat, apparently. I think Smith-Schuster sets up, will be a nice WR1. I think James Conner has a strong second year. I mean, I do worry about the other running backs coming in and taking over some of Connor's snaps. I mean, Pittsburgh's there. I think the defense has been stacked. Baltimore is Baltimore. I mean, they're solid. Just waiting to see what Lamar Jackson does in his sophomore season with the Ravens. It's still a tough AFC North. 
I don't think they're going to be putrid. But I don't think they're going to have a winning season either. We shall see. And that concludes Mowen's Mailbag. On to part two of episode 101. Hey, did you enjoy that break? Well, good. Anyway, a little piece of news that slipped out yesterday from Dayton Daily News Sports, Dayton Sports on Twitter. Bengals to open training camp with practice July 27th at Welcome Stadium in Dayton. In case you're interested in such things, which I am, visit Bengals.com. I believe they have everything there. I think parking you have to pay for, but to get to see the Bengals at Welcome Stadium, that's pretty cool. In fact, I think they go a couple places, and it's open to the public, so I think they go a couple places with open-to-the-public practices type of thing. So, July 27th, and I believe the players start practicing around 2 p.m., if I remember the release the other day. So now we talk about Cincinnati Reds. The team that frustrates you, but when they win, it's satisfying. Currently 32-38 and 38 overall, not in last place in the NL Central. That would be the Pittsburgh Pirates, a half game back of the Reds with one more loss, 32-39 is Pittsburgh. But the Reds are 4-6 and six in the last 10, however picked up a pretty big win against the Houston Astros, 3-2 to two last night. Nick Senzel bringing home some runs, and Michael Lorenzen shutting the door after manager David Bell pulled Rysel Iglesias off the mound. The next run scored by the Reds, which will probably be tonight will be Cincinnati's 300th on the season, which would be the 15 to do so in the NL Central. However, the Reds still have given up 260 runs, and that's still the lowest in the NL. And looking through the AL, 242 by Tampa Bay. That's not bad. I mean, the pitching is there. The hitting just needs to get it together. I think you have a pretty solid Cincinnati squad. Seven games back of first place Milwaukee. Brewers are 40-32. and 32. And six and a half back of the Chicago Cubs for a wild card spot. I think the Reds are doing okay. I mean, last year, do you remember what the Reds did this time? Mostly lost. And yes, I'll bring up 3-18 and 18 again, but there you go. As we look at the stats now as of June 18th the batting averages have went up on most of the players I mean take a look at Jose Iglesias who's still one of my favorite ads on the team along with Derek Dietrich Iglesias leads the Reds with a 289 batting average but not too far behind is backup catcher Kirk Casale who I think has worked himself up in the starter's role since Barnhart is struggling at 199 at the moment. 288 for Casale. I mean, this team, once they start hitting the ball and doing it with some bit of regularity, I think this team can make noise. Not guaranteeing a playoff spot now, but they can make some noise. I mean, heck, they're 4-2 against the Cubs. Great season. Let's wrap it up. No, I'm just kidding. But that 4-2 against the Cubs market is pretty nice. Looking at the batting averages, I mean, Nixon sell 266. His first season with the Reds. Suarez, 43 RBIs to lead the squad. Just 
in second place behind with six less, Derek Dietrich at 37. This Reds team can make some noise. And are they a frustrating bunch? Yeah. I didn't think that the Reds should have lost that series against the Texas Rangers at home. But credit Texas. They got on the board first all three games. And the Reds made it battle that Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. And we go to the pitching, like I mentioned. Least amount of runs given up in the NL. Second least in the entire majors. Only behind Tampa Bay. Looking at the ERAs. They're not too shabby. I mean, your highest one is 5.96. That's Wandy Peralta. Guess how many times I had to restart the recording just to say Wandy correctly, not Walty or Walt or W. But there you go. Wandy Peralta, currently the highest ERA. We look in terms of starters or saves. That works too. Iglesias has 13 of them. Lorenzen, three. Lorenzen picked up his third last night against Houston. Let's do that ERA thing. For starters, I mean... Tyler Malley's got the highest ERA of the starting five, 4.33. Actually, Di Scalfani does at 4.43. I forgot it doesn't do the order like that. 15 starts for Castillo, 2.26 ERA. little rough yesterday with the walks, but managed to keep the Reds in the game. So definitely a 7-1 record, definitely a great season for Castillo. Looking at the base on balls to strikeout ratio. Based on balls being walks, of course. Castillo really shining, 103 to 44. Like I mentioned, I think he walked six Astros last night. But still, 79 strikeouts for Gray, just 27 walks. 74 strikeouts for Roark, 27 walks. 64 Ks for Disco Man, 21 walks for DeSclafani and Malley. 73 strikeouts, 17 walks. So the ratios aren't bad. In fact, I'm looking through the entire red staff and really the closest one <laughs> I guess it'd be Cody Reed, seven strikeouts, one walk. I mean, that's how that's how spectacular the strikeouts are. The batting averages, I mean, Castillo leads the Reds 1.75 for starters and Bowman out of the bullpen 125 batting average. That's really, really good. Robert Stevenson not doing too bad. 162, but I think he's rehabbing at the moment. We look at the fielding, too, to crunch those numbers. In terms of errors, you have Suarez with 8, Peraza with 4, Votto with 4, Iglesias with 3, Farmer with 2, Farmer playing mostly second base. I think he's a catcher by trade, but he fits in whatever he can. Two on pitcher Gray, two on Zinzel. Remember, Zinzel is not an outfielder by trade. He's a third baseman and an infielder by trade, but he said, hey, whatever it takes. And a couple more down the line. I mean, the numbers aren't bad. And if you remember last year, it's just what went right on that team, you know? I think that this squad will make some noise, not promising playoff spot. It's also Marty Brenneman's last year, so I hope the Reds get a playoff spot for him. Maybe even a World Series too. That'd be cool. Well, that would be cool, but, you know, the other teams might have a few things to say about that. 
We'll go back to the standings and tell you the other leaders in the NL. As soon as it loads. Milwaukee, like I mentioned, leading the NL Central 40 and 32. Atlanta leading the NL East 43 and 30. And three games up on Philadelphia. Harper is not worth that much. Oh, I'm sorry. That just slipped out. Harper is not worth that much money. But there you go. Philly, seven games over 500 in second place. Then it's New York, Washington, Miami. Who's got 45 losses. That's the most out of the NL. And we look at the West. Dodgers, 48-25. They're in first place by whopping 10 games over Colorado and Arizona. San Diego, one game under 500. The Padres have turned it around. There's a lot of names that I see from my... Padre following friends on Twitter and there's Tatis Jr. I mean there's a lot of former Fort Wayne Tin Caps like hey I saw you in Dayton when you were a Tin Cap and your number font was atrocious also a special thank you to the Fort Wayne Tin Caps for wearing those jerseys with that special number font the entire series but I digress in the American League, New York Yankees leading the East, 44 and 27. Tampa Bay, a game and a half back, 43-29. Minnesota leading the Central at 47-24. It's amazing what Baldelli and the Twins are able to do with this turnaround. The Cleveland Indians are 10 games back of the Twins, 37-34. And Houston leads the AL West, 48-25. Eight and a half up on Texas. I thought Texas was a little bit lower in the standings, so maybe that comment that I thought we should have won the series maybe a little premature, but hey. Oakland's in third place. LA Angels in fourth place. Seattle, after that great start to the season, have plummeted to fifth. That would be last place. So that's your MLB look. Talked a little bit about Dayton Dragons in part one. And I think the Dragons can make it to the playoffs, but they have five of our teams looming nearby out of the possible six teams I can get it now. And now we talk about Major League Soccer. We look at the standings, and if you're a fan of either Ohio squad, there's not a lot of good news for you. FC Cincinnati's in last place. They're picking up. of a point per game. Here come all the nice comments, but there you go. Three wins, 11 losses, and two draws for FC Cincinnati. Columbus is not doing so well either. They are just six points up on FC Cincinnati, one point up on New England. The crew have really tumbled as of late, too. Five wins, nine losses, two draws. Not great to see both Ohio squads in the bottom of the Eastern Conference of the MOS. But with FC Cincinnati, you kind of... Were you expecting a cup run first year? I don't know what I was expecting anymore, but I wasn't expecting last place. In case you're wondering who are in the playoff circle, it's Philadelphia, Montreal, D.C. United, Atlanta United, New York Red Bulls, New York City FC, and Toronto FC. Outside the bubble, along with Columbus and FC Cincinnati, Orlando City, Chicago, and New England. Take a look at the West. The Los Angeles Football Club, followed by the LA Galaxy. So LA has two winning soccer clubs in the Western Conference. Ahead of Seattle, Houston, FC Dallas, Minnesota, and Real Salt Lake. 
And in case you're curious who's not making the playoffs that the season ended today in the Western Conference, San Jose, Vancouver, Sporting Kansas City. You know, instead of the non-Sporting Kansas City. Colorado and Portland. Colorado is no longer in the basement. Portland is. It's a little surprising, but the Rapids have turned it around. By turn around, I mean they're doing better than Portland is. Although by points per game... Portland still has a better average on that, but hey, that's what you get. Still hell is real. That rivalry with SC Cincinnati Columbus won't start for another two months, a little less than two months now in Columbus. So there you go. And speaking of Columbus, how about some Arena Football League? Yes, I know it's not Cincinnati or Dayton, but as I mentioned on most of my podcasts, I will talk about pro-Columbus sports. We'll not talk about Ohio State or any college in Columbus, unless there is an immediate, you know, Cincinnati-Dayton connection, but since Cincinnati or Dayton don't have AFL, NHL, didn't have MOS until this season, that's why I talk about it. So there you go. The Destroyers are having a rough year, but... Columbus did pick up their first win at home. It was on Pride Night. And it was also against the Atlantic City Blackjacks, which is also a first-year franchise in this AFL. Your Destroyers are 1-7 overall. At home, 1-3. Away, 0-4, along with Atlantic City. The Destroyers have scored 279 points, allowed 351, which is not the highest. But the... Point differential is at negative 72. Well, I guess it'd be the lowest, but in terms of negative, it's the highest. It's also the cheesiest, but there you go. Albany is 7 and 1. They got the best point spread at plus 79, followed by Baltimore at 5 and 3, Washington and Philadelphia at 4 and 4, Atlantic City 3 and 5, and Columbus 1 and 7. That's your standings as of the 16th of June. And for being first year, I I love that the Destroyers are back. Still a little puzzled why it's the Oakland Raider look now. It's monochrome instead of the red, white, and blue, just like the Blue Jackets colors. I don't know if they were owned by the same people. I don't know if they were. They played a nationwide, which Columbus is doing now. But I love that the Destroyers are back. And I hope that they continue to grow, and I hope they stay. I mean, for the AFL's sake, I mean, six teams isn't going to cut it next year. You're going to have to do at least ten. But we'll we'll see how that works. Try to see if I can find the attendance on here, but it looks like that is not going to happen. This is the start of Week 9 on Thursday. Baltimore is at Washington. I believe that's right. Atlantic City's at Albany, and Philadelphia is at Columbus. And then the Destroyers will have the early game Week 10 next week, the 28th against Baltimore. In case you do want to see the Destroyers, they're on local TV in Columbus, but I think they're also on ESPN3. I think. Might be ESPN+. Plus, But they're at Nationwide. Think tickets are really reasonable. I'd like to see him or at least get some gear before the season's over, but I don't know if that's in the cards. Tough start, 
but I hope that the destroyers are here to stay. And lastly, to kick off episode 101 and finish it off in style, congrats go out to the Coldwater Cavaliers. They won their seventh Division Three Baseball State Championship. And congratulations to the Chaminade Julian Eagles for winning their second straight Division Two Baseball State Championship. That's a way to go after a very long, successful career for head coach Mike Barhorst. It's always nice to see the local teams do well, and that's something that this podcast tries to celebrate. And that will do it for episode 101. Episode 102 is scheduled to be next week. Thought about doing a two-episode week to catch up this week, but uh, now it's not on the cards, especially my work schedule. It, it, It just won't work. So... We'll talk to you again for episode 102. Please visit the forums and the wonderful folks at OvertimeHeroics.com as this is now part of the Overtime Heroics Podcasting Network. A great bunch of folks. Similar minds. We love sports and we don't care who knows compared to that guy, Steve. Of course, guy is another word, but I can't say that word on here because, you know, it's a clean podcast. It's for families. It's for everyone. Spread the word. You can follow on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen. That's where you can follow my crusade to bring you local sports and to overall be myself, I guess. I don't know how to finish that sentence. Also, Gem on Queen Crown on Twitter. That's where you can find podcast notes and updates and all the like. And give the Facebook page a like, please. The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Episode 102, what's it going to be? I don't know, but you'll find out next week. Until then, this is Lee W. Mallon signing off. It's good to be back, and thanks for listening. Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. Rise Up Podcast Community bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast Closing theme by James Anderson from freepd.com Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mowen, spelled T H E L E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, the Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit the slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmallon.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast. <laughs>